everybody. Glad to have you with us for College Football Live. I'm Wendy Nix with David Pollock and Greg McElroy. Well, just one day after helping secure Alabama yet another national championship, Steve Sarkeesian moved on. He was officially named the head coach of the Texas Longhorns, and that left in Tuscaloosa a job opening. Uh, Nick Saban looking for the next offensive coordinator, and indications are Saban will turn to former Texans head coach Bill O'Brien to take the reins. Prior to his time in Houston, O'Brien was also the head coach at Penn State and also spent some time in New England as the Patriots offensive coordinator. He'll have his work cut out for him. Sarkeesian's production was legitimate, David. What kind of challenges is he up against? Well, I think he's replacing a top five play caller in all of college football. And this past year, he was he was number one. So that, that's a tremendous challenge. I'm not surprised by the hire. I remember Bill Belichick, Nick Saban are very good friends. I'm sure Bill O'Brien came with a glowing endorsement. He changed his offense a little bit when you watched when he had Deshaun Watson. He used his ability to run the football and kind of morphed his system. Like, you know, I, the biggest thing about Sark from last year to this year, Sark was an RPO machine, and then. Sarkeesian took the offense this year, and Mac Jones, that he wasn't as much of an RPO guy as, as uh, Tua Tungavaloa, so he shifted a little bit, ran more play action, way more, way more di or different, ran a different scheme almost completely from what he did the year before. So now Tom or Bill O'Brien, excuse me, comes in, have to you know morph to new players, new players galore, Greg, because there's going to be a ton of new guys all over the place. Yeah, there are, but there's some talented guys. Of course, he steps into a position that will be highly scrutinized. There are two people in the state of Alabama that are scrutinized more significantly than the governor. One's the quarterback of the Alabama Crimson Tide. The other's the offensive coordinator. And I actually think that in this particular case, he just has to maintain the standard. I'm not suggesting he needs to average 50 points a game. No, that's not necessarily accurate. With all the pieces they have coming back on defense next year, they just need to make sure that they don't put themselves in an in a difficult spot by turning the football over. I think he also needs to be really important and instrumental in the development of some of the young quarterbacks on that roster, including Bryce Young, who's likely to be the heir apparent. So I'm really interested to see how this offense will mold and develop to bring the best of Bryce Young out to the forefront early in his career as a starter. We'll talk a little bit more about Bryce Young for good reason, and that's because, as expected, although it is considered breaking news, uh, four Alabama players today have decided to declare for the NFL draft, so they'll move on and leave Tuscaloosa. That includes quarterback Mac Jones and Jalen Waddell. So we talked about the new faces that Bill O'Brien will have. There'll be plenty of them. That's the nature of the business, certainly in successful college football, Greg. But how confident are you in this next group uh, to come up and fill those very big shoes? I know that this has been a program that is always reloaded. They're not one that needs to just sit there and rebuild. They always have recruited at such a ridiculously high level that it's never really that big of a drop-off. Amari Cooper drops off, leaves, no problem. In comes Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley leaves, perfect. In comes Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy leaves, perfect. In comes Devontae Smith. The team has just consistently recycled pieces Quarterback especially, they've had so many good quarterbacks in the last decade, and there's never really been much of a drop-off. If anything, it's actually gone a little bit like this all the way up with a few exceptions. So it's been pretty amazing to watch them reload. However, I do think that this year's reload, if you will, might be just significantly just a little bit more difficult because of the offensive coordinator, the quarterback, 
couple offensive linemen, and of course they've now had, if all things go according to plan, David, then we will have seen four first-round picks at wide receiver for the Crimson Tide in the last two drafts. That's a difficult thing to replace. I don't care who you are. I'm just saying, since Greg McElroy got there, it went like this at the quarterback spot. Oh, no. When I look at this <laughs> offense, too, Greg, you, you got four picks last year in the top 15. Not this year, last year. And we said, man, this offense is going to be breaking in a ton of new pieces. There's some talent there, and they've recruited well, and they've developed well, but it's going to take a significant step back. How'd that work out? They just won a title. Then they I just mean, that was, like the, end of, that was the end of the points. sentence. They, I, exactly. They averaged 7,000 points a game, which is amazing. And, I mean, so I just I, – listen, I'm done, I'm, I'm done doubting whether Bama can do it again. It'll be a new system. Uh, Nick will figure it out. And by the way, there's also a lot of new coaches to replace. Offensive line now with Flood leaving. So, I think there's going to be – um, a lot of pieces to juggle, and Nick Saban's going to kind of be like Neo in the Matrix and kind of be like, yeah, okay, we'll go there, we'll go there. Or, or Matt Damon from, um, what was it, from, uh, uh, God, I can't even believe uh -oh. I can't remember that the train, movie. The train, the train is coming off the tracks. The bottom line is that recent history has shown us they it. can retool. We'll, we'll see. Yes. Listen, they will have had three different offensive coordinators over the last four seasons, but that's that's really just what happens when you have this kind of success. Uh, people get opportunities, and that's, that's the way it works. Speaking of the spoils of success, there is a first, believe it or not, for Alabama head coach Nick Saban. According to the American Heart Association, he's been named the recipient of the 2020 Paul Bear Bryant Award. The award recognizes the country's top college football coach for his contributions both on and off the field. Here's Nick Saban on the honor. Being here at Alabama for 14 years, I've met a lot of Coach Bryant's former players, and every one of them talk about the significance of how he impacted their life and, um, you know, what a great coach he was and how he instilled principles and values that helped them be more successful in their life. So um, uh, it's it's – it, it's the greatest honor, I think, of any coaching award from my standpoint that anybody could ever receive because of who it's named after. There's nothing remarkable about Nick Saban winning this award. He's obviously uh, very well worthy. The only thing I would say is that what, what took so long, believe it or not, is the first time, Greg, that Nick Saban has won this award. Why is that? Because it's so ridiculous how we assess coaches. It's the coaches that overachieve that take home all the hardware. That's why Tom Allen and Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina, that's why they won all the other Coach of the Year awards. And the same thing applies to Conference Coach of the Year awards. You know how many times a Big Ten uh, – you know how many times an Ohio State head coach has won Big Ten Coach of the Year in the last 40 years? Once. And it was last year with Ryan Day. That's how ludicrous it is. You're going to tell me that Urban Meyer never won Big Ten Coach of the Year? Jim Tressel never won Big Ten Coach of the Year? It's ludicrous. It's as if we hold it against David. It's like we hold it against coaches that are in great jobs. No, 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 no. Anyone can win there. Why is it that we just don't acknowledge greatness and acknowledge the fact that Nick Saban and Urban Meyer and Jim Tressel and all these other coaches that have never gotten the credit they deserve, maybe they are the best in the field and we need to quit giving it to the coaches that overachieve on a year-to-year -year basis? So it's brand fatigue, but I also think it's player fatigue. LeBron James every year, he could kind of win the MVP. 
Patrick Mahomes every year. He can win the NFL MVP, right? Like, they could do that every single year, and they're pretty worthy of it. But what do we do? We spread it out. We give it to other people. But in a year that he passed Paul the Bear Bryant for more titles, fitting that he wins this and, uh, and, and takes it home. Well, look, uh, it, it is very it's, – it's long overdue, and certainly he deserves it. So congratulations yet again for Nick Saban. It's been quite the week. Now, much like Nick Saban did when he went to Miami to coach the Dolphins, former Ohio State head coach Urban Meyer is taking his talents to the NFL. He's reportedly finalizing a deal to become the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He will succeed Doug Marone, who was fired at the end of the regular season. So there have been some discussions over the past week, and it now looks like – Urban Meyer will coach in the NFL. David, will his style work at the pro level? Uh, his style he ran in college, no. I, I think Urban's more, you know, he's more of a dictator. He's, um, you know, his, his, his offenses, Greg, I, I'll argue, have always been run-centric with the quarterback and frustrating to watch at times, especially since – you know, as he needed Ryan Day, by the way. Remember that, 2017 or 16 when they got the doors beat off of him by Clemson, 31 to nothing. He brought in Ryan Day to throw the football and needed that help. So just like everybody else, he's going to need, need help with who's surrounding him and make sure he hires great coaches. But by no means do I think this is a slam dunk and he's going to come in and start, you know, winning a championship. He plays in a good division to do it. He's got a ton of draft picks and draft capital to work with. Um, so it should be a successful turnaround quickly. But – um, I think he'll do okay. I don't, I don't think he'll be like Urban Meyer in college. Well, we've seen Cliff Kingsbury be on the verge of a playoff spot, and I would argue that Urban Meyer is 10 times the coach that Cliff Kingsbury is, at least at the level that he was at in college. And that dates back to his time at Bowling Green or Utah. It doesn't really necessarily matter. You, you can't use the well. He was at Florida and Ohio State. Well, Cliff Kingsbury is at Texas Tech. No, I mean, the reality is he won way more games for a reason. And I know it will be a little bit of a shock probably with the style of offense he's probably going to try to go with. He didn't like having just a pass-first quarterback in Dwayne Haskins a couple years ago. He wanted a guy that was more mobile. But in the NFL, you were really going to win and lose games because of one position more than any else, and that's a quarterback. And he is going to have the best quarterback prospect on his roster that we've seen since Andrew Luck. We saw Andrew Luck turn around a 1-15 Colts team to take him to the playoff in his rookie year. Trevor Lawrence could potentially be the exact same. So I am extremely bullish on the marriage that could exist between Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer. But then again, I might be bullish on the relationship between Trevor Lawrence and any coach that's going to be leading him into the NFL. Well, Lucky enough for the Jaguars, they own the number one pick. They're on the clock. They'll pick for the first time uh, ever at the top of the draft in franchise history. Still to come on College Football Live, it's a long list, but somebody had to do it. It's the all-saving team, position by position, the greatest players to ever play for Alabama. And Greg will weigh in on who he believes is the best of all time. And what a long, strange trip it has been. So many snapshots to remember, courtesy of a college football season like we've never seen before.
so proud of this group. We're going undefeated and winning the national championship. I think we're the best team to ever play. Alabama had a number of stars last season, but we can only pick a few. Mac Jones set an FBS record for completion percentage in a season. Devontae Smith walked away with the Heisman, and Patrick Sertan expected to be a top 10 pick, according to our Todd McShay. But they join a long list of greats. Here's Ryan McGee on all of them that Nick Saban has coached. When you've produced as many wins, titles, and NFL draft picks as Nick Saban, then guess what? You get to have your own all-star team, the All-Saban team. First up, the men who will matriculate the football down the field, starting with Tua Tagovailoa tossing it to Devontae Smith. Tagovailoa fires to the end zone, touchdown, Alabama wins! Smith is joined by Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, and tight end O.J. Howard. Wide open is Howard, touchdown! That leaves out the likes of Ridley and Judy, Reed, Clayton, and even Mason, Burris. Hey, this is saving. That means roster cuts are tough. Speaking of great cuts, we're handing the all-saving ball off the 2015 Heisman winner, Derrick Henry. A burst up the middle, Derrick Henry! And he's running behind a big and tall warehouse O-line of Andre Smith, Alex Leatherwood, Chance Warmack, Ryan Kelly, and Barrett Jones. All five were first-team All-American. Heck, Jones was a two-time All-American at tackle and center. Across the line of scrimmage, we start up front with Jonathan Allen, Quinn Williams, and our team's lone LSU representative, Marcus Spears, the QB smashing anchor of Saban's first title team. Also, we work with Spears, and he totally knows where I live, so in no way was I going to make him mad by leaving him on the bench. Why only a three-man defensive front? Because we need the space for the all-saving linebackers. That's a position room more crowded than coaches ring for. C.J. Mosley had 319 tackles over four seasons. Dante Hightower had 21 tackles for a loss over his four years and was twice a team captain. Rolando McClain had 14 and a half tackles for a loss in one season and was twice on the Dean's list. And Reuben Foster? Well, just ask Leonard Fournette about Reuben Foster. That brings us to the poor souls in the all-saving defensive backfield. No one catches more heat than they do, facing all those future pro receivers in practice while also playing Saban's position from back in the day at Kent State. How about it, folks? 100 yards of glory. Whether it's the cornerback Patrick's, Mika Fitzpatrick, and Dre Kirkpatrick, or safeties Landon Collins and Mark Barron laying licks on the deep routes. This is the most Saban-esque group of them all. Tough, dominating, and totally scared just like saving himself. That is one impressive bunch, David. But if you had to pick the best player to play for Nick Saban at Alabama, and, that, and you got plenty to choose from, who are you taking? I don't know. Uh, 
I think it's tough. I think it is a tough list. But, and I, and I hate to not be prisoner because what you just saw from Devontae Smith, but it goes back to the starter of all the receiver classes, and that's Julio Jones. Greg, he's a freak. You know that firsthand. Um, just his size, strength, his ability to dominate. If he played in today's offenses and with Steve Sarkeesian in the last several years, I think his numbers would have been absolutely stupid, video game type-like, just like um, Devontae Smith and Waddle and some of these guys. But I think Julio Jones, one of the first humble superstars that got it all started for Bama. Uh, you know I won't ever push back on Julio Jones. <laughs> I love Julio, of course. I just wish they let us throw it when we were there. But that's a conversation for a different day. I'm going with Devontae Smith. Not only has he been the most decorated player potentially in Alabama history, the guy is one of only three Heisman winners. He, of course, is one of only a handful of Bolitnikoff winners. First-team All-American. And, of course, you think about the big plays he made over the course of his career. Not one, but two walk-off touchdowns, one of which in a national championship setting. Bookending his career with national championships and saving the best for last was one of the best years we've ever seen from the wide receiver at the position. So I think Devontae Smith is quite literally the best player that Nick Saban's ever coached. Yeah, sometimes you can make the argument that we are, as you mentioned, David, a prisoner at the moment. But in this case, I mean, he, he's a worthy recipient, no question, uh, and will make some noise at the next level. Think about this. There was a time last summer we didn't even think we'd have a college football season, and now we look back to the remarkable year coming up. Mill the catch, wrestled down on the two. Postal wins it. Time now to shift gears to college hoops. Number one, Gonzaga hosting rival Pepperdine tonight. The top-ranked Zags leading the nation in scoring, averaging a ridiculous 96 points per game. Gentlemen, that's just about a wrap for us, at least for a few weeks. It's been quite the year. David, congratulations. You made it. Greg, thank you. Let's take a look back now at the tremendous season it was. Breaking developments involving the coronavirus. Enormous news that rocks college football. The coronavirus pandemic. The number of cases growing. Can you even have a college football season? Everybody acts like we want to play for the money. This is about the players. Whoa. Pray to God that he make me a better man. Maybe one day I'ma stand for something. I'm thanking God that he made you part of the plan. I guess I ain't go through all that hell for nothing. The goal is to win it. Welcome back, college football. Welcome back. The season is underway. And you wanted college football first play. Touchdown. I was looking up, but nobody was really out there. A consistent opponent is going to be COVID. Saturday's game postponed. Nick Saban. Trevor Lawrence. Positive for COVID-19. The most unusual year ever. Let's get back to football. I want to go to the locker Three, room. Two, For the lead. The Irish have
have not dumped. Clemson. Lumberjacks win. Intercepted. A Red River showdown for the ages. No good. Florida is upset in the swamp. The Mormons versus the Mullets. Wrestled down on the two. Coastal wins it. Big spike. Shades of Dan Marino. And they're saying he is in. Indiana holds this up. Fighting Reese Davis is right here. Let me try to tell him. Kick was blocked and Liberty's gonna win it. Drops it in. It's a one-handed grab. Makes a one-handed interception. Oh boy, we got the sprinklers going off here on the field. Sarah Fuller, the first woman. History on display. You can do anything you set your mind to. He has tied the NCAA record. His eighth touchdown. Trask hits. Touchdown. The remix. The song remains the same. Clemson's Tigers are the kings. Talk about a man that wants it. He wanted to eat. You can talk about guts. Strike across the middle. Watches downfield. He's got a touchdown. A testament to toughness. And a night to remember for Ohio State. Hurling is Harris. Here is Devontae Smith. Goodbye. Farewell. Touchdown. We're not done yet. And that is it. The final score, Bama. 52, Ohio State 24, Alabama does it. 10 regular season SEC wins, an SEC championship, a Rose Bowl championship, and national championship number 18.